Welcome to another edition of the Sports Principles podcast. In this episode, I was lucky enough to chat with Lucy Moore. Lucy is one of the UK's top uh, coach developers. She works for Sport England. She's a hockey coach and we've had some fantastic conversations over the last few months. When I'm talking to coaches, one of the areas that they really seem to find challenging is uh, relationships, understanding relationships and how to develop those relationships. And Lucy uh, came up with some fantastic insights, not only in her own coaching, but also from her work with other people. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you have any questions or comments or thoughts, please feel free to get in touch with either myself or with Lucy. I'll put her contact details into the notes that accompany the podcast. Right, okay. So Lucy and Sam talking about relationships. So you said something brilliant just then and I missed it. I <laughs> can you remember what it was that you said? Just about, they've gone. <laughs> you said, yeah, people like will say that relationships are really really important but then kind of gloss over it when actually yeah. it's the whole thing yeah I suppose that's as I was saying I'm not sure I necessarily have any answers about any of this but for me it's something I'm curious to better understand is exactly that is that we talk about how important relationships are in in coaching practice but it's almost like a nod to or like an in addition to when it actually the entire thing is relationships so it's not it's not an extra bit or the whole thing is a relationship and it's about relationships between coaches and participants but also between participants and between coaches and other people in that environment your relationship with yourself like the whole act of coaching and supporting somebody to do something is a relational pursuit and so it is everything and and that's why I'm curious to better understand and, and how how that lives, how it feels and what we can do to understand it better. Perfect. Perfect. So why do you think it is glossed over in the way that it is? Is it because it is I'm just gonna throw a few ideas no, I probably shouldn't preempt this. What do you, why do you think? Um I don't know. I was trying to think about it the other day and in some ways it's because it's it's so obvious that it doesn't get spoken about because it is the whole thing uh, the very presence of humans being together and and trying to do something and even actually it in even if you're on your own you can only be on your own because of the existence of other people like the concept of being on your own wouldn't wouldn't happen if you were the only person in the world so so literally everything is about your relationship with and to other people so maybe it's almost so obvious that that it doesn't get spoken about i think sometimes i think it it might be because actually having those kind of conversations feel very um subjective they feel very very close to to the bone and we don't we don't want to upset other people because of preserving our own sense of self and our own integrity and our own relationships and status and everything else so sometimes those conversations are really hard to have and 
it feels very conceptual it's hard to put language on it a lot of the time so the way that somebody makes you feel in a moment how do you capture that in words and and there isn't necessarily that common mental model so we use the words like love or fun or and we and we assume that we mean the same thing but but do we and how do we know and um, what somebody makes you feel is so hard to describe that actually that then to give someone that feedback that it, it becomes almost impossible like you know sometimes there are some people with you immediately click with and there are other people who try as you might they might it just doesn't it's just not there and you know you watch I don't know I watch trashy tv like first dates and there's people talk about well the spark wasn't there chemistry that, that essence that thing which is just yeah it's and so it, so when you say why is it glossed over because it's probably hard to like even to describe or point at and you, and you can't and so no wonder no one talks about that let's just put on the things we could actually do something about because if my essence of my soul is that malleable is that me when does that get defined how do we get that is that a thing or is it your perception of me that makes me me in your head so like you read some of the philosophy around it and you think do I really exist or or am I just everybody's conception of me so you have a vision of what Lucy is and someone else will have a perception of what I am and who am I really because do I exist if I'm not somebody else's perception or am I like you could literally melt your brain and so so I totally understand why people don't go there because it's just like painfully yeah painfully hard to get hold of okay so that I think is is gets right to the core of it which is from what I see the people that are really good at relationships it's just who that it's 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 them being who they are yeah so for them creating close uh rich uh, rewarding and and mutually enjoyable relationships yeah they they don't even realize they're doing it and they don't so they don't know how they're doing what they're doing but somebody else looking in from the outside so a young coach would be would be going right well how are they how do they get those great relationships and of course you can't see the intangible things that they're doing like the fact that they're really comfortable in their own skin to start with so you immediately start looking at external things like maybe body language or how they're speaking to people or you know the way they set a session up or or the way they speak to a, a group or something like that and it's like that then becomes part of the well this is what you do to build relationships and it's like no because we we've got to look at like you said what comes before that what is the what is the thing that they know about themselves that then allows them to flourish and to, to function effortlessly in that situation without even thinking about the relationship because it's just part of what they do. Like you say, on a first date, there's that chemistry there, there's that spark there, there's that connection there. And so to me, it's like any coaching relationship you have to start it's like 
it's like the instructions on the oxygen mask that comes down on an aeroplane, which is if you're with somebody, put your own mask on first. And that's what I think, where I think we should be starting with all coaches in helping them to understand relationships is in order to understand your relationships with somebody else, you have to understand yourself first. Yeah. You have to know where your own well-being lies. You have to know where your own happiness lies. Because there's one common factor in all of your relationship, and that's you. <laughs> so <laughs> so if, you haven't, if you haven't spent some, some time and some consideration on understanding yourself, it's then very hard for you to try to understand other people. Yes. So, as I say, that that to me is the the the, the way to understand, the, or the the best place to start with understanding a coaching relationship is, like you very eloquently said, is is you've got to understand the relationship you've got with yourself. Who, who you know, have you asked yourself the question, "Who am I? What is the nature of my experience?" As you said, you know, you talk about my perception of other people as a coach but what is my perception of of my self as a coach yeah. you know is it is it this body is it my mind is it my story is it my ambition is it my past who am i and if you don't understand that then it's very hard to then go out into the world because you don't know you, you don't know who <laughs> Not only do you not know who you're dealing with, but you don't know who's dealing with it. So, yeah, and it's also accepting that um, there there isn't a truth, like there isn't one truth. Like even if you're rereading your own narrative as how you came to be, you will have a different interpretation of that depending on how you're feeling in the moment. Like the the past is is for interpretation, and and you will take from it different things at different times in your life you know things will have occurred in your story that that will impact you differently now than they did a few years ago and will in the future because the way you as the present you can manage those thoughts and experiences changes so something which may have been not particularly traumatic at the time suddenly you start to reflect back on it another time and, and suddenly you you feel like it's had a massive bearing on your life right there right net then and then that might change again so it's it's also not trying trying to be kind to yourself and not label label yourself in the moment like i am dysfunctional because of x y and z or uh, like that's not true either like you you will constantly evolve as a person and and your your story is part of your now as much it's not boxed and finished and that's how it was it's you will use it in different ways as you grow it's it's, it's hard it's it's hard because you're constantly changing and your understanding of yourself will constantly change. So it's an ongoing process. You can't just go, right, tick, know myself, boom. You well, don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer some, a slightly different perception on it, which is I think there is a distinction that, that you can make which helps enormously in, in certainly what I've seen both in my own coaching and, and in, in speaking to other coaches, which is, seeing that who you really are is not your story yes so we have we have awareness and the story appears within awareness 
So if you weren't aware, you couldn't have a story because you wouldn't be aware of it. It wouldn't be part of your experience. So seeing the separation between our experience, so thoughts, feelings, perceptions, and sensations in, in the present moment, memories that have that also appear in the present moment but are recollections of the past and then imaginings in terms of worries anxieties insecurities whatever that might be about the future or or, you know it could be positive imaginings about the future i'm going on holiday or i've got an event coming up that i'm really looking forward to but they are not they are not you because there is something there is a presence, there is awareness of those things. Mm-hmm. And if, those, if, if that presence, presence, that awareness, if you want to call it knowing or, or I would call it consciousness, wasn't there first, you wouldn't know any of that stuff. So what has been the most consistent thing, the, the, you know, the thing that we, we think of as that's been present, that's why we call it presence, that's been present your whole life, it's that awareness of, of, of both what's happening now and also the awareness of your past and your future. So the moment that you can see that you are not your story, you are not the activity of your mind, you are the presence that knows your mind, that is aware of your story, all of a sudden that sets you free from that story. And it just allows you to to kind of not take that stuff so seriously, if that makes sense. Because, you know, that that to me, what what we what we think of as the ego, you know, and we're all aware of the, of, of you know, we've all got an ego, and what we all, you know, we all recognise that other people have egos too. And I think that understanding what the ego actually is, it's basically the story. It's who you think you are, what you think you've done, what you think you need in the future in order to be okay. And the moment that you see that that's not who you really are, because there is something underneath that, a layer of presence that knows all that stuff, all of a sudden you're not attached to it anymore. And we all know the feeling of being in the room with somebody with a big ego with a, a big story about themselves who, who, and somebody who takes that story very seriously, there's just kind of a, I don't know, it just kind of makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable because that's what is bashing up against our own story sometimes or our own ego. Mm. And, and that's what actually often gets in the way of, of people having good relationships because if you're, if it's one story that is essentially made up bashing up against another story against something uh, against another story that's made up then there is inevitably going to be conflict there because those two stories uh, are probably you know don't necessarily intertwine in a lot of places they might be very different yeah so let me play it back to you see if i catch on to it because sometimes i uh, lose the lose the folk i get i go with you and then I'm like, no, it's too big, it's too hard. Can't get my brain. So, so like a real life example for me, what, what you're, what, as you were talking, it made me think was, I had a recent experience. Then I was, I was coaching, and I was in a supportive coaching role, and I was working with a group of athletes, and 
I became aware that I was feeling an anxiety, a compulsion to offer more, to tell more, to give more tech and tack, and became aware that other there were other coaching sessions going on at the same time, and I was became very conscious that my session looked very different to the other ones being delivered. They were doing much more group things, much more direction from the coach telling the athletes, and I had a very clear and and I, f- I feel quite clear and in my coaching philosophy that it was more relational and pull from them. But in that moment, I had a real wobble. I had a real wobble. I suddenly felt a compulsion to, to act not as myself, but to offer and to, to not, to, to go not necessarily with what I felt in the moment was correct, but, but to offer something that wasn't particularly me. And, and it, and it gave me a really good, point of reflection afterwards I suppose was like why did I feel that overwhelming compulsion and and it also gave me a chance to reflect on what my philosophy as a coach is whether it was suitable like it wasn't saying that they were doing it wrong and I was doing it right or the other way around it was just in that moment I became very aware that part of the feeling that was coming over me was a was a performative it was almost like a performative anxiety and I had to listen to it and stop it if I'd just gone with it, I would have ended up somewhere which isn't me and isn't my coaching style. But there was obviously so much noise that I'm picking up on as a person, whether that's parents on the side or other senior coaches, my own ego of, oh, you're supposed to be a good coach, look, everybody else is doing this. Like all of my history and backstory in that very moment completely affected my ability to have that relationship with the athletes I was working with in the present. Because yeah. so, so that's what I would as a live example of what you're talking about is that that I'm not I'm not me I'm just experiencing all this stuff and then it's okay that's why you're feeling that it's understandable that you feel all of that but what needs to happen now let's think about later you know it it does give you a lightness I suppose to yeah exactly so so when you say presence if you are completely present with somebody there is no past, there is no future. Yeah. So when we have that, or, or in, my, in my experience, whenever I have the urge to tell or direct, it's because somewhere has slipped into my mind an outcome of where I think this should be going. Yeah. So that, that basically means I, in that moment I wasn't present because I've jumped, my ego has jumped forward to the future to say, well, this is where we need to go with this and this is what I need to do in order to get them there, if that makes Does that make sense? Is that kind of what you, what, what was your reflection? Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, a little bit of me needing to, I know that I'm, um, I, get, I get positive feelings from helping other people. I like, and, and part of that seeking that reward is to see an improvement. So if I can, exactly. if I can feel I've done something to you and I can, in my mind, measure an improvement that makes me feel better at myself. It's yeah. that that it, it it rewards me. So it it's not um, entirely altruistic, but it's also not manipulative as such. It's just that's why I like working with people and I like helping them. Um, and and sometimes you feel like you, that that desire to see a difference overrides what you might feel is a longer term you know it's almost like you want to lay claim to it go so when they go home and they say oh yeah Lucy taught me how to do this like it's it is it even saying it makes me feel a little bit about myself but it's true you you feel like 
and I think you become manipulative sometimes as a coach and you and you can disguise um that direction um even in executive coaching scenarios you can disguise that direction as as open and and sometimes you do it without even realizing it but you're because your brain works quicker so you're already going you're pursuing a line of questioning or a line of conversation that your brain is already taking them somewhere because your brain's decided where that wants to you know that success and and i don't think you can ever completely eliminate that i just think you have to be aware and check yourself of your that tendency we will all have to go Ah, okay I think if I can get you there, that's going to change your life. So I need to get you from here to there. And I know I'm really skilled at the questions, so I'm just not going to tell you because you'll push back on it. So I'm going to ask you loads of questions, <laughs> make it look like, and then you end up there. So and then I true. I've got you there. And, but sometimes your brain does that without even realising. And so it's not, it's not bad, and you can't ever completely eliminate it, I don't think. But. So true. Per- perfect example. And it, and it is, you know, I don't know any coach, or I know very few coaches that haven't, got into coaching out of a desire to serve and a desire to help people and a, and a you know because they 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 like they like doing that and it is you know whether it's altruism or whether it's because of the feelings that they get back from it you're always gonna there's always going to be a mix of that going on but that to me is as i say the more we understand that my well-being as a coach, if I believe that my well-being or my happiness or my fulfilment comes from the outcome of a coaching session or whether somebody gets it or whether we win a game or whether I see somebody improve, the more I'm going to be inclined to go down the route that you felt you were being pulled down there. Because that's that's the illusion and like you say this is this is part of the human experience so when when i get that feeling it's because there's a lot of sam in the room rather than what i would say the true me the true i is consciousness presence sam's the one that wants to get an outcome or get to a place or because sam's sam's an activity he's got a story he's got a past he's got a future and Sam's got some pretty clear ideas about how life needs to be in order for Sam to be okay. Imagine. And if I think that's if I think Sam is who I really am, then I'm always going to be following that line rather than when I know that that's, that Sam's just made up. It's just a a fabrication. It's just a, a story. Yeah. That's that's when I can be present with somebody, not when I'm not when there's a lot of Sam in the room. And how do you balance that with with the not ending up in a like listless because i think sometimes when we and i do think it's not it's not a trick question it, it, it i do sometimes when when you talk in this way or when we talk in this way it it almost sounds as if we're saying that that we don't have something to bring or we can't help people or we, and actually the reverse feels the, true the so reverse is absolutely true <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how do you articulate that in such a way that it, it, we're not saying we haven't got a value we can't give you information we can't help you we're not saying that yeah so how do you balance that because I, 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 I it feels it feels like it is the opposite is true like yeah. the more oblique way to go the less direct is actually the most impactful but then when you try and explain it it sounds like you're saying 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not really required. I shouldn't really be, you know, it's, you see what I'm trying to say? I can't get my. Absolutely. Okay. So let's see if I can, I can kind of, so when we are, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm at my best, whether it's on the, on the golf course, whether it's when I'm coaching somebody, there's a freedom there. It's spontaneous. An idea will just come to me and it will be out of my mouth before I've even thought about it. So, you know, and that, that to me is the definition of insight. It's like, it's not coming from Sam. It's coming through the the body and the mind that is sat here, but it's not me. Yeah. And, and, and this is, this is what I think kind of we, we miss when we talk about Everybody talks about that. Okay, so the, the key to a coaching relationship is connection. The problem with that is it's it almost it's, it's the wrong starting point because in order to connect, there have to be two things. There has to be a Sam and a Lucy, and it looks like when Sam and Lucy have a have a good conversation or a good a, a good coaching experience that we've connected. But to me, it's the opposite. So if I if my true nature is consciousness or awareness. And your true nature, Lucy's true nature, is consciousness and, and, and awareness. There's no evidence that my consciousness is, or my awareness is separate from your consciousness or awareness. It's actually one thing. And that's what all, to me, that's the, the you know, as Aldous Huxley calls it, the perennial philosophy is this idea that we are one. There is only one reality. So what actually happens in a, in a great coaching situation or even in a wider context, you know, this is what team spirit is pointing to. It's this feeling of oneness. So what happens in that moment of connection is not the fact that two things have come together. It's the fact that two things have disappeared and what you're left with is that one consciousness, that one awareness. Yes. So that, is so powerful because you know it's like two minds become again i'm coming from the right round but two instead of there being two minds there two separate minds there there is now one mind there so that's what is our feeling of connection that we have with somebody when you know we say we've got words for it like we're on the same wavelength and how i'm getting my head around this one Uh, how how do you balance that with different perceptions so so part of a good partnership is is we're looking at something a thing we're in it together we're problem solving this thing whatever it is and we come at it and we'll present different ideas even if we're in a flow state doesn't necessarily mean that we're all uh, completely the same so how does that work with that idea of one consciousness well, how, how do I reconcile that in my brain? <laughs> well, it's kind of again. If I, if if you and I, if you and I are looking at a, a, say you and I are in a room together and we're we're looking at a vase of flowers. Yep. You're gonna. We're both looking at the same vase of flowers. Yeah. But you you might look at it and go, well, look at that one. This one's slightly different. And I'll look at the, the other one and go, oh, oh, from here it looks like this. Mm-hmm. So just because there's two perceptions on something, it doesn't mean that you know that doesn't preclude the fact that we're looking at the same thing and we're 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 sharing the same experience yeah again i'm I'm gonna 
slightly careful because I'm disappearing off into sort of beliefs here rather than trying to, you know, trying to just point to what's true. But that polarity is, is again, it's the play of, you know, it's the play of, say, yin and yang or whatever you want to call it of, you know, that's, that is the, the beauty of, the, of that, that shared moment is that there is, there are two different perceptions of it. It's one thing going on, but there's two different refractions of it, if you want to put it like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally get what you're saying. But I, as I say, it's not, it's not two different perceptions. It, it's, not, it's not two different experiences. It's two perceptions on the same experience. Yes. So, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. So in terms of, you know, universe, if, if what I'm saying is true, what we're pointing to is a universal consciousness or a universal awareness. So there's basically 7 billion different perspectives on the planet of one universal consciousness, not 7 billion different consciousnesses. Mm-hmm. So the, the universal is the, is the ultimate reality, not the different varied perceptions. I think I understand. <laughs> you do. I promise you do. You can't not understand it. It's, it's like, you know, that, that speaks to the relationship side of things. So to me, relationships are, are our default, our ability to, to be as one. So you might call it to connect. That's our default setting. You know, if you look at two toddlers meet each other for the first time, they just connect, don't they? It's very rare that they, you know, that, that, that two people just, in, you know, two young children instantly don't get on with each other. They just connect. That's a, that's a default setting. What gets in the way of us connecting is the belief that we are separate, is the belief that we are individual separate body and minds with our own story, our own agenda, our own preferences, our own beliefs, our own needs, our own requirements take all those out of the way and we're just going to connect and and that's what kind of happens as you get to know somebody better what actually happens is is the reason you connect with somebody you know if you it's, it's what team building's about if you get a load of rugby players and lock them in a room for three days with a load of beer eventually they'll they'll get on because they're they're they start to instead of seeing all of these egos and these stories and these projections of of who i want to be seen as all of that after a while just starts to disappear and you just get left with closer to the real the real individual or the real individual that's the wrong way but you you you, you know the, the essence of that person rather than the rather than the facade if you want to put it like that rather than the avatar yeah because the, the you, you you know the story becomes less important because you just start to see that person for who they really are and and that's what connection is yeah and i think that's why i'm interested in and why we've had so many good conversations is that i i'm interested in finding out about that not necessarily that philosophy but the uh, that idea that that coaching in coaching in a flow state like you would play in a flow state where it does sometimes feel like i'm thinking sometimes you finish a session you don't know what you've said it's just come out it's just been perfect it just happened and like what that is and equally the x factor that some people walk into a room and you you feel drawn to listen and and talk to them like those are the 
the bits which I'm intrigued and fascinated to find out about the, the more uh, the feeling side of coaching this the like it how do you know when to change a practice on you feel it in your solar plexus like it's exactly. in, in your it's in your tummy that's how you know when to change something exactly I can't tell you how many minutes I can't tell you what I've seen I can't and I can't say I'm even doing it right and I don't, and sometimes I don't need to listen to those things. Sometimes it's the other voice coming in and they're saying, you need to move this on. And that's the, ignore that. But sometimes it's the right thing to do. And I can't put it into words. And so that's what I'm fascinated to, to understand and whether there is research out there from that more, um, it is philosophical or spiritual, emotional side of, of these interpersonal relationships and the balance of like the environment the sociology, the other people in the environment, and then your own awareness as the person, like the blend of those two things together, how rather than chopping them into separates, like yeah. it's a whole package. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. And that's what I think. So, so the first thing you asked, there, like how is it that you can have a meeting or something or, or do something brilliant on the sports field and, and not even remember it, not even, it's because Lucy wasn't there. There was yeah. no Lucy in that moment. It was, Lucy had disappeared and just merged with the experience. All there was was the present moment. Yeah. So that's why we have that experience of, like you say, coming out of a coaching session and it's just flown. And like you say, you're just like, I've got no idea what that experience was because in that moment, Sam wasn't there. When you feel knackered, well, it goes, it feels, you feel knackered. Yeah. It goes, yeah. Yeah. You're drained and tired, but you don't know why. It just happens. Yeah. And I think the second point you made there is really, really interesting, which is so unfortunately, the world that we live in, the culture that we, we live in is, is science, you know, if you want to call it scientism, it's like the, 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 the strongest religion we've got, which is we've, we've given intellectual intelligence priority over all, all the other different types of intelligence. Unfortunately, it's just the way it's the way technology has been so successful that we kind of think, well, science has got the answer to everything. And, you know, intellectual intelligence is is, is the overriding form of intelligence. But there's there's lots of different types of intelligence. There's there's uh, emotional intelligence. There's intuition. There's like you say, just that that instinctive intelligence, if you want to put it like that but because we can't describe those with language they don't get given the same value and the same validation as you know me being able to write a thesis on it or do research on it or whatever and 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 as i say it's just this we've got we've gone we've almost come completely the, the we've gone too far in the direction of intellectualizing our experience and we we don't unfortunately like sport in particular it's all about the feeling and, and I can't put that feeling into words a lot of time. I can't, I can't express in words the, you, you know, the, the feeling of hitting a fantastic chip shot that, that kind of rolls down the green and drops into the hole. Or, you know, uh, you, know you, play, you play team sports. You can't explain that feeling of connection where, you know, you, you don't even look and you just know where the person that you're going to pass to is going to be, not even in that present moment because it's happening in the future. You've just, it's like you've seen the future. And you pass the ball into space and they run onto it and stick it into the net. And it's just, it's like, what? I don't even know how that happened. That yeah. you can't explain that with the intellect. 
you know it's like if we can't explain it in language it it, it has less value than a, a feeling that we can't explain but again the the feelings that we care most deeply about that we value the most the feelings of love the feelings of oneness the feeling of happiness the feeling of joy the feeling of peace the feeling of freedom you know i'm just it's like i'm just tossing out words and and you know if, if you were a chinese person you wouldn't have a clue what i was talking about but you'd know exactly the feelings that i was pointing to you just have different words for them yeah so as i, I say it, it's really interesting that the rationalist like understanding and and pointing wanted everything to be objective i do think people are i think people are becoming more comfortable with subjective subjectivity perhaps but um that yeah that idea that you can point to it and you can see it and it's it's demonstrable when actually when you think about the nature of your own experiences that you the examples that you're giving it doesn't fit so in our in our work world we would we would say that's that but you know it not to be true for yourself so um exactly. Talking to someone the other day about the idea of setting being fun or enjoyable, um, which is obviously a bit of a hot topic of, at the moment around whether sessions should be fun, enjoyable, and and lots of people showcasing fun sessions and things they're doing online on social media, you know, and how that puts pressure on coaches to do things which are fun. Well, in actual reality, the only person who experiences the fun is the person on the other end. So even if I, as a coach, puts out something on social media that I think is fun. I don't know that to be true because fun is the feeling. Fun is, fun is, makes you smile, makes you tingle, it makes you hot. It makes you have pins and needles in your hands. Like try and describe what, what is fun. It's a feeling. It's not, it's not something you, you could touch or, or show because it's the, it's the, the person who's receiving it that gets to tell you if it's fun and what, gives them that feeling on one day might not give them that feeling on another day and it doesn't mean that the thing isn't fun or is or isn't fun it's almost like you can't use those words to describe something like that because it's a feeling and so the practice that you've set out isn't the thing that is fun it's the person's experience that is that's that's in them exactly yeah exactly and that's that's the issue and you know you could put on a session that you put on a session and you really enjoy it and five people come up to you and go, that was amazing. That's a really good session. I really enjoyed that. And three people come up to you and go, oh, that was a bit dull. I really didn't. So it's, it's just, and as a coach, if you, if you don't understand the nature of experience and you don't understand how our experience is created, well, what do you do? Do you change the second next, the session next time to please the people that didn't enjoy it? And then that's going to risk upsetting the people who did enjoy it and want more of that. It's like you're constantly, no wonder coaches are confused because it's like, it's not the session that you put on that governs people's experience. Their experience comes from within them. Yeah. So the more that, as I say, you know, this is, this is why I say to me, the key to coaching relationships is you've got to understand yourself first. If you understand yourself first, that gives you such a window into other people's experience that then it then, as I say, it it, it kind of makes you one of these, you know, one of these people that you see who you think, oh, 
he's just a natural people person or he's just na- he naturally connects or she's really good with people she just you know it's effortless for her in terms of relationships and you ask you ask that person how she creates those relationships and she'll just go I've got no idea what you're talking about because I just you know it's just something I've always done I've always connected with people you can't give somebody techniques and strategies for relationships it's impossible yeah but if you can help people to understand who they are understand you know what their experience is understand you know what what you think the meaning of life and the meaning of sport is you know that that just all of a sudden the relationships thing just the the whole can of worms just opens up and you can just go oh right okay I can see what's going on there now whereas before you were just trying to you know you were trying to second guess and third guess and fourth guess 15 different people in your squad to try and do something that's going to make sure that they're all having the experience of sport that they that you that they think they should be getting well you know that's that's an impossible task for a coach no wonder people are struggling with it yeah I think there's definitely something in in that relationships are the key because if the experience is with the other person it's not in your mind it, it uh, and so if you if relationships aren't everything how on earth are you are you going to be able to do, do anything like uh it, it's yeah I guess it comes full circle to what we're saying about it it, it can't it can't be a but it can't ever be a bolt-on because it is the entire thing yeah. it, it it doesn't make sense otherwise exactly and you know coaches we're told you know coaches are being told oh you've got to be authentic what does that mean you've got to be vulnerable well hang on a minute you've just told me that I've got to be authentic which means I think be myself and now you've told me to, that I've got to be vulnerable which oh that will that mean I don't feel vulnerable so that how can I be vulnerable how can I be authentic and be vulnerable I've got to create psychological safety whatever that is well you know I don't but at the same time I'm being told I've got to have honest conversations with people which sometimes means telling them things that perhaps they don't want to hear well we're giving coaches seem to be getting so many conflicting messages around this that it's almost impossible for them to balance up well, you know, then you're in your own head about thinking, well, what should I say here? Because, uh, you, you know, I've, I, I want to have an honest conversation. But at the same time, I want to be vulnerable myself. And at the same time, I want to create a, a, a situation where this person feels psychologically safe. All of those things are kind of battling against each other. Whereas if you, if you know what, what's true, so let's, let's say, you know, we've, 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 we've done some, we've we've had some some conversations around this and you've insightfully seen that actually who you really are is not this body and this mind this story so to me psychological safety is really simple if you understand that you are not a body and a mind an ego a story you're always psychologically safe because awareness i.e the true self who you really are can't be harmed by what somebody says to you by what somebody thinks of you, by an outcome, by a loss, by a disappointment. That, to me, is true psychological safety. And it's got nothing to do with the psyche. It's got nothing to do with a a personal consciousness because a personal consciousness doesn't exist. We only think it does. 
so if you've if you if you know that you are not what you appear to be you're not this separate limited finite body and mind you, you just you know that the other person that's true for the other person as well so that allows you to be completely authentic but it also means that you're coming from a place of love and a place of service because you are them yeah. you you know it's 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 you why would from that place you ever do something that would harm or diminish another human being it'd be like harming yourself yeah you, know, you could only do somebody damage whether it's psychologically physically or whatever if you believe that they are separate from you if you know that you are them and they are you you're going to take care of them like they were you yeah so just that one understanding of our true nature who we really are seeing insightfully that consciousness awareness knowing is our is is who we really are that immediately takes care of the authenticity piece because you're not trying to be somebody else how can you try and be someone else that's like ridiculous it's like you know you, you are you you are awareness you are the the presence in that in that in that moment so you're just going to show up as as you so that takes care of the authenticity well vulnerability if you're not defending anything i.e a story or an ego or a an outcome or, or or you feel you don't need anything or want anything from that situation again the vulnerability thing doesn't come into place you can only feel you can only be vulnerable if you think you can be threatened and and consciousness can't be threatened by anything because it's consciousness <laughs> how do you threaten consciousness i think it's, I, I agree with a lot of what you said i think the bits where I struggle to reconcile it with um, the world that we live in, I suppose, is, is around that I can control that for myself, I suppose. I can have that awareness in myself that I am consciousness and whatever, you know, it's yeah. not harmful for people to feed in and have their own perceptions of me, of what I'm doing and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, but when you're working with a group of other people, whoever they may be, athletes or coaches, I guess it's it's how you how you can work with them to build your relationship and rapport with them uh, when they aren't in that place. So they 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 are still um, in that in that mindset of of believing that 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 they are whatever they are, and actually without having to take somebody through because this is it's really hard to together and i don't know how you don't think you can supercharge it i feel like no, but you don't need this is the whole thing like as a coach if you're walking into that room as love as openness as freedom as happiness yeah you're you don't care <laughs> they can show up however they want to show up you're going to respond to them with love kindness warmth openness no agenda no ego and and that's you know that's what you I think you mentioned that to me is the X factor that you mentioned previously. Yeah. If somebody's showing up from that place, there's just a feeling about them, and this is back to the intuition thing and the and the you know gut instinct again. It's like these people are just they're, they're like people magnets because why wouldn't you want to be around somebody like that? 
why wouldn't you want to play for somebody like that? Why wouldn't you want to talk to somebody? Why wouldn't you want, you know, if, if I'm walking in, if I'm showing up as love and as openness and with no neediness or dependency, again, their defences aren't going to be up. Yeah. And, and yeah, that doesn't mean that, that you, you know, if, if that, that I don't get frustrated with people or annoyed with people or, or, or that I don't have conversations that I'm, you know, that I don't sometimes get caught up in being Sam again. Of course I do. That's the nature of it. But it doesn't happen very often. And, and the more clearly you understand this, you know, you don't react when people do get caught up in their thinking. So if you're, like you say, if you're in a group situation and, and somebody is caught up in their thinking or there's a lot of ego, there's a lot of them going on, what's going to be a more productive environment? One where you're both in that space or one where you're just, you know, you're just sitting there as, a, as presence and being present with them. You know, they can be saying whatever they're saying and it's not affecting you because you're not taking it personally. You can only take something personally if you think you're a person. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the thing is, is um, whilst I do think it's beneficial to, like you say, let go of that illusion, I don't think it's necessary. So I, I feel like when we first spoke, the very first time we spoke, I felt a connection with what you were saying and I had absolutely no idea of of your philosophy of monoism of stoicism i had no none of this no spirituality at all it was just that the place i'd got to in myself and my work in practice was you you treat people with an unconditional compassionate regard you don't have to like them all but you have to understand that they're coming from their view their bit of the world and that you're coming from your bit of the world and neither is better or worse it's just different and and people are performative creatures and they act in certain ways based on their interpretation of themselves and the world and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of come to a place where you do have that lightness and you can let it go, but I wouldn't have said I'd come at it from a uh, monoist or a spiritual way. What does that tell Yeah. Go on, I was just... Go on. But what does that tell you about what we're pointing to here? The fact that you and I have never met, we'd never spoken, we'd never even like, you know, apart from a few Twitter messages, but you and I both had exactly the same intuition about coaching and about life and about people and about how it works. Well, maybe that's because that's what's true for everybody. Mm. And it's, you know, like I say, we're seeing it from the wrong perspective. We're, you know, so many coaches are are trying to teach fish to swim. Yeah. We're forgetting that people are, this is who people are. This is, this, this is our true nature we're pointing to here. And what gets in the way are the layers of cultural conditioning and beliefs and the stuff we've been taught and the stuff we've learned. Yeah. And the reason that you and I had the same feeling and the same intuition when we started talking about this, which was, I know this. This isn't something that I've that I've this is something I've always known. It's not something that I've learned. This is this is this is this is something I've always known and it's something that I forget from time to time rather than 
coming from a state of constantly forgetting and this is something that I've picked up from somewhere. It, it's the other way around. It's like happiness is our true nature. Well-being is our true nature. And we forget because we attach it to outcomes, relationships, concepts, achievements, attainments. And then we have one of those things. So we win a game and we feel happy and we believe that the happiness came from winning the game. But it's not. It's just that we've stopped wanting to win games for a few minutes and we've connected back with our real our true nature which is happiness and well-being this is the thing it's so much simpler than we're making it we're trying to give as i say we're trying to teach fish to swim and the fish can swim perfectly well on their own we've just got to keep reminding them that they're fish remember you're a fish that's all you got to do and and how but I, as you can see, I still rest. I still, I find it interesting because it is such a contrast to other conversations that we have around coaching, um, and how how do you balance that with with people with coaches? I suppose how do you have that conversation with with coaches if they're not in a space that that they're prepared to to look at themselves and to let, to let go of that. You can't. So where, <laughs> so where, in for practical terms, if your work, if someone has a role and they and they are in that position, what do you do when you're appointed as a coach developer or as a consultant to work with them? Just love them. Okay. Just love them. That's all you can do. You know, yeah. that you you can't. As I say, the worst time to have this conversation so it's, it's funny from 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 my perspective what i see the more somebody's suffering the more likely they are to look want to look in a different direction but it's not guaranteed but counter to that the more somebody's suffering the less beneficial it is for somebody from the outside to go i know what's wrong with you and i can help you fix it because yeah. that's the there's too much of them in the room it's like you, you, you know, they have to see, they have to, they have to come to you. It's a, it's pull rather than push. Because that's an, that's an interesting, um, again, an interesting uh, clash, like between what you can, what you can get paid to do. Uh, so if you're, if you're, what you want to do as a person, you want to help them. You're getting paid to do that to to help them, and then. But you know the best thing to do is to step out the way, and they have to help themselves. And and how do we how do we reconcile that? So I know that there'll be lots of coach developers who who engage and have those connections, and they get somebody to a place. But if they're not prepared to look where they need to, do, it's not a giving up on someone because you still hold them in that unconditional. Absolutely, regard. you still love them. But you, you still st- believe in them. You still love. Absolutely. Them. But yeah. that's where the, obviously that it, it doesn't match with that the, the way that the world operates as you describe yeah and <laughs> that's unfortunately the society and the culture that we're living in which is you get judged on outcomes yeah but it, you, you, just because that's the way the world is that doesn't mean that it's right or it doesn't mean that you have to you, you know you can still play if you know that that's what's going on you can still play the game and you know you still have to play the game 
but you don't have to you you can know that it's not true but it is a game that it's not real reality that it's not real life and and that's what i've found to be the most liberating thing because yeah i'm not caught up in that you know if i believe that my job is to you know it comes back to exactly what you said about your coaching session if i walk into that coaching session thinking it's my job to get somebody from where they are now to somewhere where i think they should be that's not coaching you know that's that's well, something else i don't know it's, you might be you might think you're helping them but i i guess i guess i'm almost you're almost drawing me into giving you an answer to it here but <laughs> Um, I, I suppose all you can do is let's say you, you know look you, you seem to be struggling do you want some help can I offer you some can I offer you my opinion and if mm. they say yes then th there's an op there's an there's an openness there but if if they say no then what can you do it's like the old saying isn't it it's like the the the, the, the teacher only appears when the student is ready yeah and if there isn't a question then there isn't a teacher or there shouldn't be a teacher because if you're just telling people, then you're preaching, you're not teaching, and you're certainly yes. not coaching. So, as I say, the conversation has to start with a question. You know, I, yeah, I can't do anything until, until somebody's sort of, until there's that openness there, until there's a question in the room. If there's not a question, then I can't. Now, I'm not very good at giving speeches. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's this, um audiobook i just got about finite and infinite games and um okay it it's good like it, it, again it's the guy is a relig religious philosopher i suppose it's, it's a it's from it's a book from the 80s and what's um, the book called finite and infinite games that's what it's called okay um and simon sinek's just done a like a infinite game he's done a version of it and he was talking about it on the podcast and referenced the original text that he inspired his book so i i got that one first and then i'll read his one after um but that was talking about the difference between education and training and that that training is based on the history and a and a finite mindset that that is how it is and it's re like replicating what has been as opposed to education which is um more based on the idea of infinite games that are ongoing and constantly adapting and fluid yeah. and the history is the now and is the future and that actually it we play so in sport we're playing so that we can keep playing yeah. it's never finished it's like the impossible puzzle exactly. and that so, so we shouldn't treat it as if it is a finite um activity because there there are all sorts of moves that you can make and it's and it's never going to be ended because the whole point is we keep playing so we can keep playing yeah. like yes there can be finite instances within it so you can have a tournament a game a competition and that's a finite element but it's in an infinite context so the the whole thing doesn't hang on that because actually this is an infinite thing and, and life is infinite that like we're infinite so uh yeah it it, it chimes with a lot of what you're saying I, uh, yeah, love that it's interesting you know you could without going all swiss tony on you you could say that that's kind of a metaphor for exactly what i'm saying which is the only thing that is infinite is consciousness is awareness because everything everything consciousness was here first and and 
consciousness will still be here when long after whatever it is that I am, body, mind, whatever you want to say, is 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 gone. So, yeah, it speaks exactly to that. Which is the game is the game itself is we love games because they do point us back to true nature. They point us, you know, we love sport because it points us back to moments of understanding, of love, of truth, of beauty. Those are the those are the the things that as I say those unspoken things that that connect with us the most deeply and you know sport is amazing because we can have all of those things in one moment or in one game so that's why sport moves us so deeply yet we are sorry my dog might start barking in a minute um yeah those are the things that move us that, that move us and, and those experiences are why we play sport but they're almost denied by you know when we start talking about sports science and, and all of that other stuff it's like no it's not an intellectual experience you can't explain those those feelings those experiences those those moments of of, of knowing who we really are in terms of the mind in terms of the intellect yeah, they're beyond that. They're what comes before that. Consciousness is what comes before experience. It's layering it back up together again. So I do think that there's there there have been gains in certain areas by breaking things down and by understanding certain discrete elements of sports performance better. Like it is a value, but now we bring it back together. And the bit that it, for me, I want to know more and understand more is that unobservable, it's the unobservable, it's the feelings, it's the, like you say, it's that, that thing that underpins the whole, whole thing. And how I'm fortunate enough to watch a lot of coaches coaching and they can do exactly the same thing observably, but it's not the same. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, I, and that blows my mind. That's what I want to understand. So I feel like I would, I would say that sports science, sports medicine, adds huge amounts to the intellectual understanding but but there is a bit that isn't it doesn't fall into that category because it is that that experience that feeling that that the unobservable um exactly and and i i think where we you know if we're not careful though we you know it's this whole thing of of if it's not measurable does it exist and that's well yes absolutely because you can't measure love you can't measure happiness you can't measure disappointment you can't you know they're subjective so trying to apply the methodology of science to subjective experience to me that's that doesn't really make a lot of sense so it's like you say it's bringing the two back together and just again we're making the assumption which is quite an arrogant assumption that that human beings have have the you know the intellectual capacity to understand the true nature of reality and the meaning of life and understand why we feel the way we feel about what we feel about. It's like, you know, I'm not that far removed in terms of my, my physiology and my genetics from my, from Daisy, my spaniel, but I don't believe that she somehow could, could, you know, could understand the meaning of reality. So why do I think that I should be able to, but well, what I suppose I... The difference is you, you have what you, what you do have is the ability to want to, uh, to find out you're yeah, curious I, you have the curiosity to be aware absolutely. and realize that you don't know something and there's something yeah. going on you don't understand like that's a human 
Yeah, I can self-reflect. I, 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 I can self-reflect that I have metacognition, so I, ca I can reflect on that. But just because I can reflect on something, it doesn't mean that I've got the capability of understanding it. And that's where I think we kind of, as I say, we kind of, we've, we've assumed that science, if science doesn't already know everything, it will do soon. And it has the, the capabilities of, 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 of doing that. And, and that's absolutely not true, you know, and, and the, the, the problem is, is you get, so physicists will quite happily, you talk to a physicist, they'll quite happily admit that they don't know what 95% of the universe is made of. You know, there's this stuff called dark matter and dark energy, which nobody's got any ex explanations for. Otherwise, it'd have a better name than dark matter and dark energy. But the further that you get away from physics, so you go from physics to biology to chemistry, so physics, chemistry, biology, and then you go psychology, sociology, you know, the social sciences. They think that physics has got everything figured out at this end, and they haven't. We haven't got answers to what everything is yet. Yeah. And, and that's where we get into trouble because you start trying to explain subjective experience in terms of matter, and we, we don't know. We, we still haven't got a, a, even a theory as to how... Um, the subatomic particles that make up a human brain give rise to subjective experience. Just the most fundamental thing that we know, the only thing that we know is that we know. So cogito ergo sum, I know that I know. That's actually the only thing that I know. I know that there, I know that I know, and I know there is something rather than nothing. But beyond that, this could be a hallucination. I could be, you know, level 42 in some simulation somewhere i don't I, I i've got no way of knowing that but what i know is that i know and i know that i feel stuff and that i have subjective experience and so why not start from there and try and make sense of that rather than start with something that I don't know anything about and then try and re-engineer and explain my experience in terms of that. Let's start with experience and understand experience. Yeah, and I suppose I, I'm pragmatic in, in that it's an enormous privilege for us to have this conversation, to be in a position where sport collectively is recognised as serious, as meaningful, as worth putting money in, um, they, that it is a thing that, yeah. that, that actually we can't it's not that it was wrong to do it that way our collective consciousness and awareness has moved on and these things form the foundations for us now to be able to have this conversation and sometimes I think it for coaches it gets a bit binary in terms of that's the old school that's old stuff that's that that's wrong they do yeah. this now and that also isn't true it's like just that we thought that certain things worked in the past in other fields we now wouldn't do those now yeah. this we're now at a stage where we're sort of talking more about um the interconnectedness of, of people of uh sort of different transdisciplinary approaches to sports science as opposed to single disciplinary or interdisciplinary like th there's these conversations going on almost trying to piece the puzzle back together again exactly. and then see, what, see what's the bit that we don't yet get and for me it, it does come back to that the research approaches the way that we try and interrogate it and understand it not saying that we ever will be able to or or have the capacity to but the fact that it is worth talking about even though we don't necessarily have any answers that's that for me is mean that's a meaningful 
bit of it absolutely you know we have to be we have to we have to accept that there is a say there's different why there's different forms of understanding like i say truth love beauty they're different forms they're different roots to the same experience that aha moment of understanding of realization which again that's that that aha moment is not a phenomenon it's not a thought it's it's just a you can't describe the moment of understanding it's that's why they call it an aha moment because it's, it's 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 just that that knowing isn't it you just it you just you just grok something you just get it yeah and normally we're random as well like when you're not thinking about it like in the shower exactly. or like somewhere when you wake up first thing in the morning when you're not you weren't actually thinking about it but your brain was thinking about it on its own so feeling yeah feeling. exactly it's yeah so understanding is a feeling yeah it's not a thought yeah. well if that doesn't tell us that intellectually the intellect is overplaying its hand a lot of the time the fact that under, we know understanding is a feeling not as a thought now obviously you have the understanding so you have the conceptualization of the problem and then the moment of understanding which is a feeling and then the conceptualization of the answer or the solution to the problem but the actual moment of understanding is a felt experience so you've got you know this is why i think you know you're absolutely right we should be bringing this stuff back together and going you know there's rationalism and there's there's empiricism so it's got they've got to work together you've you know there's that feeling of right this works you know you've said you know you've seen it watching coaches and you know sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and it looks like they're doing exactly the same thing the, the understanding of that is is there's two parts to it there's the logical rational side of it and then there's also the the feeling side of it the experiential side of it sort of saying it's either or and it's not it's both it's got to be both yeah yeah it's heavy, man. Like it's really heavy. Like I, I like it because it really makes my brain hurt. Like it, it, but it's good. Like it's good, um, and I don't really know how to make sense of it. But I don't worry about it so much. I just like, I quite enjoy the feeling of that perturbance and going. I really don't know anything about this at all, but uh, it feels like an interesting thing. Um, it's uh... yeah you know like you say i just think we're so lucky to be able to have this conversation if if this you know this to me is the you know i guess it's why it's called the perennial perennial philosophy as they say because this if if we can help people to see this or if more people see this whether i can help them see it or not i've got no idea but if more people see this it will just answer so many of the other things that they've got going on that they're struggling with whether it's relationships whether it's well, no, let's just leave it at relationships because, as you say, I think that's the that's the that's the missing piece for most of the coaches that I sort of talk to. If you say to them, "What's the hardest thing?" or "What's the thing? What's your biggest challenge?" they'll always say it's the the relationship side of things, you know. And there's and the thing is, it's, it seems to me that there's so much information out there about the other parts of coaching, whether it's practice design, whether it's like you say, tech, technical, tactical. And for some reason, there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of information out there about this sort of stuff. So, hopefully, we can um, yeah, we can have a few more conversations about it. Even the even things around like coaches' mental well-being and the, 
there are lots of really helpful resources about practical things you can do to um, support your mental well-being. Take time off, do this, do that, do some online learning, have to go out in nature. Like all of those things are really, really good. Absolutely. Don't, don't do too much, don't all of that kind of stuff. But for me, like a big key to helping myself be more mentally well was actually letting some stuff go. And the bit I was struggling with was giving myself permission to let some stuff go because my identity was so hung up in helping and serving and I got a kick from that and I Perfect. didn't want to start letting people down and all of this. So actually the work I needed to do that no one really helped, told me was in me to allow me to then say no to stuff. So it's all Perfect. very well good. We say to coaches, don't do so much, take a time off, go on holiday, whatever. But for all sorts of different reasons, actually the mechanics of how, yeah, but how do I actually do yeah. that? Like put, put your, uh, yeah, that's put your own oxygen, difficult. put your own oxygen mask on first. That's yeah. that's the message that I think we should be. And and as I say, it's tricky because coaches are in this generally to 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 help other people. But you, you know, if you're not if you can't breathe, you're not going to be able to help somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, you you've seen it insightfully. You've seen that actually. No, it is. I need to make sure I'm okay you know you can't the cliche is you can't give somebody 10 quid if you've only got a pound in your pocket and you know so you've seen you've insightfully seen now oh, hang on i need to understand myself better to allow me to understand other people that's that's exactly what i, I think we should be pointing coaches towards in terms of helping them with relationships yeah i'd agree cool well thank you so much for your time that's been brilliant yeah, thank you too. Um, I need to go get some lunch. <laughs>